Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 263 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about the household debt in the United States and how the household debt in the United States just hit another record high. So we're going to break down the different areas of this household debt, how it has increased, and then we're going to talk about the impacts that that can have in each of our lives if we are holding some of that debt, and then how we can get out of debt, which is what I push all of you to do uh, in your own financial lives. So stick around for all of that and more in today's episode. But before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in the long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over a long period of time, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions, and you and I can begin working together, pushing towards the financial goals that you and your family have for yourselves, and then ultimately, I can help push you towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for in some way, shape, or form for every single individual who watches or listens to this show on a day-to-day basis. So if there's one thing about the United States that we know, uh, it's that there is a lot of debt, and today there's more debt than ever, uh, both federally and on the household level. And today we are going to be talking about the household level of debt. This new article came out yesterday and said that household debt jumps by the most in 14 years to nearly 15 trillion in the second quarter. Okay, so I want to break down uh, everything that occurred within this report uh, about the household debt uh, that we saw over Q2. Okay, so household debt rose by its highest dollar amount in 14 years during the second quarter, thanks mostly to a surge in the housing market that brought the collective American IOU to just shy of 15 trillion, the Federal Reserve reported Tuesday. Okay, so This amount of debt that we have uh, and the amount that we gained over Q2, uh, it was heavily driven by uh, mortgage debt, which is not surprising because the housing market has been what it has been uh, and money is still quite cheap. And so that does drive a bunch of individuals into mortgages, right? So that uh, is subsequently the type of debt that I'm actually okay with you taking out. Right? Mortgage debt is something that uh, I think is pretty necessary to go and buy a home in the vast majority of cases. Okay, So I'm okay with mortgage debt, but I'm only okay with mortgage debt if, 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 if uh, you can go and you can get it on a 15-year mortgage and it's no more than a quarter of your income on any given month. Okay, So that will make it uh, to where you're able to afford that mortgage payment. Uh, And then ultimately you can pay your house off in a shorter amount of time because you want it at least on a 15 year mortgage. Okay. But some people aren't going to follow that. I'm just reporting here that uh, mortgage debt has increased. Now, total debt balances jumped 313 billion in Q2, which is April to June, uh, the sharpest rise since the same period in 2007. This is the most in actual dollar amount that our debt has risen uh, since pre financial crisis. Okay, that was the last quarter before the financial crisis uh, when our debt increased this much previously. Okay, and as a share of debt, that represented a 2.1% increase uh, in our household debt as a nation. This was the fastest pace that it had grown since the fourth quarter of 2013. 
Okay, so by all standards, uh, not only did we increase the debt a lot, but on a percentage basis, we increased a lot relative to how much we have uh, in the recent past, okay? Most of the gain came from mortgage originations. This is not surprising. Both initial purchases and refinances, which have been on fire as the Federal Reserve has kept the benchmark borrowing rates anchored around historic lows. Again, uh, when rates are extremely low, uh, then the number of individuals going out and getting mortgages or refinancing is going to be extremely high. Mortgage balances increased $282 billion for the period, up 2.8%. Uh, from the first quarter and 6.7% from a year ago for a total of $10.4 trillion. There's $10.4 trillion in outstanding mortgage debt in the United States. Now, over the past four quarters, so the past year, mortgage originations have totaled close to $4.6 trillion dollars so that means of that 10.4 trillion we've seen quite the run-up from 5.8 trillion to 10.4 trillion now this amounts to 44 percent these new originations are 44 percent of all outstanding home loan balances okay so 44 percent of individuals with home loans today took them out in the last four quarters that's an outstanding a crazy number uh, but the swelling debt numbers weren't just about mortgages, with non-housing balances up $44 billion. Credit card balances increased by $17 billion, and this is something that you never want to see. Okay, Credit card balances increasing, uh, that is just not a good thing. Uh, while auto loans were up $33 billion, now this again uh, is not surprising because when rates are low, then individuals are going to want to go out and finance things, and uh, car loans are one of those things that people will take out uh, when rates are low to try to uh, take advantage of that. Student loan debt, though, actually decreased for the period, falling $14 billion uh, to $1.57 trillion, as forbearance programs have kept education-related balances in check. So with all the forbearance going on uh, and then the uh, lack of interest that's accumulating, right, then individuals can actually pay off some of their student loans. And not to mention, uh, Q2 is from April to June. Not a lot of student loans are taken out from April to June. Okay, so you see not a huge increase in student loans, uh, and you get some people paying them off, and interest is not accruing. It's no surprise uh, that that amount of debt actually decreased. I'm not too thrilled at you know that debt decreasing in that way because uh, it's only 14 billion relative to the 1.57 trillion uh, that is outstanding in student loans, which is just uh, an astounding amount. All right, so when it comes to percentage terms, it really didn't decrease that much. Uh, and it only decreased because of the seasonality of student loans and the fact that interest is not accruing and individuals are not having to make payments right now. So uh, not thrilled with that. And I would say that uh, if those programs were not in place, it's likely that student loan debt would have increased as well. Indeed, government efforts overall uh, at getting consumers through the COVID-19 pandemic resulted in low delinquency numbers across the board. In aggregate, some 2.7% of debt was in some form of delinquency. This is a two percentage point drop from the fourth quarter of 2019 just before the pandemic hit. Okay, So uh, when people aren't delinquent on their debt, uh, this really goes back to what I was talking about with the student loans as well, right? You have uh, interest doesn't have to be paid. You don't even have to make your payment uh, while COVID-19 has been going on. Uh, so delinquency drops. Uh, really the same thing kind of goes with some mortgages. There have been uh, some mortgage programs and then uh, all different types of debt that you may have. Uh, you know, they haven't been forcing you uh, to pay or forcing you to uh, make on-time payments while COVID-19 has been occurring. But 
this really uh, makes you wonder what is going to happen when uh, all of those types of programs drop off. Uh, will the delinquency rate increase back to what it was? My guess would be uh, it's very likely that it would, and maybe even more so uh, than it was previously. However, uh, the breaks are expiring in the coming months, posing challenges to borrowers who will now have to get current on their loans. And this is a huge thing. And if you're somebody who has uh, not made a payment or missed a payment or been late on a payment or whatever, you have to understand if you miss payments uh, on whatever has been outstanding, you are not only going to have to make that payment at some point, you are going to have to make the payment that you owe plus all of the payments that you have owed up to that point unless there's something specific about the type of debt that you have. Okay, so you need to be very, very diligent in making sure that you are making your payments if at all possible. Okay, if not, uh, then there's going to be quite the bill and it might leave you in a very, very tough financial situation. There's been a very robust pace of originations of loans over the past four quarters with new extensions of credit for mortgages and auto loans combining with rebounding demand for credit card borrowing. Uh, however, there are still 2 million borrowers in mortgage forbearance, 2 million borrowers in mortgage forbearance who are vulnerable to financial distress once the forbearance programs come to an end. Again, right? Uh, if there are 2 million people who are in forbearance on their mortgage, I wonder how many of those actually can pay or uh, how many can't pay uh, when it comes back around that those mortgage payments will be due. So that'll be very, very interesting to see as we move forward. At least in housing though, the credit quality of borrowers has been high. So uh, if nothing else, uh, then we can look and we can go, okay, well, uh, at least the individuals who are taking out new loans seem pretty credit worthy. Okay. The median credit score for newly originated mortgages was 760 with 71% of all borrowers having a score of over 760. Okay. The share of mortgages moving to delinquency totaled just 0.4%, a record low, while the 0.5% share of mortgages that were 90 days or more past due also set a new record uh, amid the ongoing forbearance programs. Again, when the forbearance programs are to end, then what happens? Then what is going to occur uh, when it comes to uh, you know the individuals who have taken out these loans? And when it comes to credit quality and the credit score, it's not that difficult to build up uh, a high credit score. That does not mean that you are necessarily financially responsible. It just means that you've taken out a lot of debt over time and you've repaid that debt uh, on a you know schedule that uh, these uh, credit ratings agencies actually like, right? That Experian and uh, that Equifax and all these companies that they actually uh, like what you've done with your debt, right? But that means that you've been in debt in some way, shape, or form, uh, or you've used some debt product in some way, shape, or form, such as a credit card. So what do we learn from all this? What do we uh, get to take away from uh, the fact that you know debt has increased and we've seen mortgages increase and we've seen auto loans increase and credit card debt increase? What it tells us is that uh, what the Fed is doing when it comes to keeping rates low is stimulating the economy in some way. Okay, because if individuals are taking out debt to purchase things, that means they are actually purchasing things, right? That means that they are actually taking the money uh, that they can go and borrow, which uh, is an important part of our financial system, but it's not something that I want you guys to be doing. Don't help out our financial system in that way because it can end up hurting you, okay? Uh, but individuals are going out and they are borrowing and then using that money to actually purchase uh, pretty big ticket items or uh, they are taking out credit cards and uh, running up balances on those credit cards. Now, this tells us also 
uh, that we are just getting back into the same rhythm uh, that we were in pre uh, COVID-19, uh, where we are comfortable with taking out debt and we're comfortable with spending money that we don't have on things uh, that we can't afford to impress people that we don't even like, right? We seem to be okay with that. And that is not okay, right? It is not okay uh, to be going into debt uh, for things like depreciating assets, such as uh, cars or motorcycles or whatever it may be. Uh, it's not good to be holding credit card balances because of uh, the cost of those credit card balances. Credit cards hold some of the highest interest rates of any type of debt that you're going to take out, right? And so we don't want to be in this place uh, where we're just taking out more and more in the way of credit cards because that's just going to get us further and further behind, especially since credit cards are not amortized loans. And we've talked about amortized loans before, uh, amortized loans simply being uh, loans that uh, have some fixed payoff period, right? You're going to make uh, one payment and you're going to make that payment every single month or whatever until uh, it is completely paid off over the time period that you have set to pay it off. You could just pay on a credit card balance. You could pay the minimum payment on a credit card balance for years and years and years and never dig into it enough to actually get it all paid off, which is uh, good for the credit card companies, but terrible for the consumer, terrible for you. Okay, so holding credit card balances is not a good idea and it's not something that we need to be getting into the habit of doing. Now, all these new mortgage uh, originations, I, again, I'm not against mortgage debt at all. And absolutely not against mortgage debt. I'm totally for uh, going out and purchasing a home and doing it in a responsible way. Again, 15 year or less mortgage, the payment no more than a quarter of your income. But, 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 but a lot of these people who are going out and getting mortgages are doing it for one of two reasons, right? Either they feel like, you know, hey, I can go and sell my home for way more now, right? Because the housing market is booming. I can sell my home for way more. So they sell their home for way more, but they don't think about the fact that they're going to go purchase something that's going to cost way more than it did uh, a year and a half ago or two years ago. Okay, so people may do that. They may refinance uh, their home uh, and do so just because rates are low or purchase a home just because rates are low and just because it is cheap to borrow money, which overall, I understand the logic of cheap money, right? If it's cheap to borrow money, then of course you can always uh, borrow money and make a spread on that money that you borrowed. I, I understand that. Okay, but it doesn't mean that it's good for you. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be beneficial to you over a long period of time. Because when money is really cheap and when people do borrow a lot, right, then what ends up happening is that individuals can uh, run up a lot of debt and they can run up a lot of debt that they're not going to be able to refinance down to lower rates for later on. Okay, now what do I mean by this? Well, typically when you refinance, you do so uh, in order to get a lower rate on whatever loan that you have outstanding, okay? And you refinance so you can get a lower rate or a lower payment uh, or whatever, okay? And in getting those lower rates, right, that makes it beneficial for you to refinance. But if rates go up, and you have already locked in some rate at rock bottom prices and you've uh, borrowed as much as you could at rock bottom prices, right? And then uh, rates increase and increase and increase, which they are likely to do. I'm not saying anytime necessarily soon, especially uh, given what the Fed is signaling to the economy right now, but eventually rates will go back up. And when rates go back up, what's gonna happen? Well, all these individuals who have taken out all this cheap debt are gonna be stuck with this cheap debt. Now, you may say, oh, but it's cheap debt. That's good, right? Well, a lot of individuals don't look at it as, okay, I'm going to take out the exact same loan that I would have if the debt would have been more expensive, and I'm going to take it out 
uh, when debt is cheaper. They're not doing that. What they're doing is they're going and buying new homes and building new homes and all these things for more, right? They are, they are paying more for these homes. They, these are larger loans. And the reason that they are larger loans because individuals can make similar payments on larger loans when rates are lower, right? When rates are lower, you can have a similar payment as you could with something that is less valuable when rates are a little bit higher. And so they'll go and they'll push the limit of what they can actually pay. The problem is, is that they won't be able uh, to refinance to lower rates later on. Okay, so this can be problematic. This mortgage uh, debt that's outstanding can be problematic. And something that I think can be particularly interesting to note uh, is that this jump in household debt and this jump uh, in mortgage debt that we've been seeing uh, is the highest that it's been since 2007. It's the fastest growth since the second quarter of 2007, again, right before the financial crisis. But what did the financial crisis have to do with? Housing. Okay, now I'm not saying the next financial crisis is going to have to do with housing. I'm just saying, uh, oh, the irony. Okay, it had to do with housing. And back then, this is what makes it, you know, maybe even worse, is that back then in 2007, money wasn't particularly cheap. Okay, money was actually a little more expensive when it came to interest rates. But now we're at rock bottom rates uh, and we are increasing debt at the rate that we are. Okay, so again, that's just not something that we want to be falling into. We want to get our mortgages paid off and not just see mortgage debt continue to increase and increase and increase into oblivion. All right, not to mention, let's take a look real quick and just talk about the savings rate in the United States. Okay, uh, something that we saw when COVID 19 hit and we went into a recession, we saw the savings rate pop. So in December of 2019, the savings rate in the United States, meaning the amount of your income that you are saving uh, as a household was 7.3%. Okay, so 7.3% is what individuals were actually saving. Well, that spiked in April of 2020 after coronavirus had begun ravaging the US and it spiked to 33.8%. Uh, which at the time is very encouraging. It's very encouraging to know that people uh, are saving money and that they are realizing that they need money for emergencies and that an emergency has hit, right? And then you follow on from there, May of 2020, 24.8, June, 19.3, July, 18.7, August, 15, all the way to November, 13. So you see uh, 20%, 20.8% drop uh, from April to November. Then you saw some spikes early on this year. So uh, January of this year, 20.2%, March, 26.9%. But then you get down to June, you get down to June of 2021, and we are back down to 9.8% in personal savings rate. And it is no surprise that as the savings rate continues to drop, uh, it is going to be uh, coexistent with the fact that our debt balances in our households are rising. And specifically, things like credit card and auto debt rising because those are consumer goods that aren't necessarily your mortgage or your, you know, your residence because that's something that's been going on even uh, throughout the pandemic. Okay, but uh, now you're dealing with things that are optional for you to purchase and you're going out and purchasing them, which is going to naturally decrease the personal savings rate. Okay, so it seems like we don't learn our lesson. All right, it seems like we don't realize that when bad things actually do happen, when something like COVID-19 hits, 
that doesn't just leave us in this new situation where uh, you know we can uh, be more financially responsible and we can do the right things financially and we can make good financial decisions. What it has done, it resets us in the short term, but then over the long term, people just revert to their old habits. They revert to taking out debt and being deeply in debt and not saving money, right? Which is all very, very, very problematic. Now, I know that you know stimulus checks got sent out uh, and people you know got those checks and they're like, okay, uh, we can take these checks and do all these different things and purchase all these different things. And that probably stimulated the fact that some of this debt uh, increase has occurred. But nonetheless, we could have used those things. And some of you may have, so I'm not uh, knocking you, but I'm saying uh, a lot of people went and used those to just purchase things on a whim, but you could have used those things to get your financial house in order. And that's what I'm calling you to today. With this increase in household debt and a pandemic that's not necessarily over, right? Uh, and these situations that are going on around the country that may impact your finances in a very real way, depending on what your uh, source of income is, then we need to be more financially responsible. We need to take responsibility for our financial lives. I'm calling you to do that today because we can't continue to allow ourselves to go deeper and deeper in debt at faster rates. I understand uh, overall more amount of debt uh, being outstanding because as time goes on and debt balances grow, uh, I understand that, right? But the fact that we grew at a faster pace than we have since 2013, so seven and a half years, right? Since we grew at such a fast pace, that's disturbing. That's problematic. That's something that uh, we really need to think about uh, in our own financial lives. We need to think about uh, is it worth it to go out and get that new car and be deeply in debt? Uh, is it worth it uh, to you know use this credit card into oblivion? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to uh, you know go and buy the biggest house that we can afford? Is it worth it on a 30-year loan? Right? Is it worth it? Uh, and my overarching answer to you is that no, it is not worth it. Okay, we need to learn to live below our means. Okay, and not just hear that when uh, a pandemic hits and go, yeah, we need to live below our means. We need to live below our means. You needed to create a plan and you still today need to create a plan to live below your means. Meaning you make a certain amount of money, live on less than that amount of money, right? Actually put money away, save money, right? Invest for your future, get out of debt, take money and pay your debt off. Okay. Don't let debt just sit around uh, and fester uh, and get infected over time. You need to get your debt paid off because what do I always say? Debt is a strain on your cash flow. And as long as you are going to keep around a strain on your cash flow or multiple strains on your cash flow, and as long as you're going to continue taking out more debt to strain your cash flow even more, then what's going to happen? Then you're going to have less money to save. You're going to have less money to give. You're going to have less money to invest. You're going to have less money to spend on yourself doing the things that you want to do. Okay. You're going to be more cash strapped, not less. You're going to be uh, less financially independent, not more. Okay. You are going to be poorer, not richer. Okay. And so you need to understand that debt is only going to keep you from getting to your dreams. Now, your dream may be. I want to own this nice car, okay? But the way to get to owning that nice car is not uh, let's go out and borrow as much money as we can to get there before we can actually get there financially. That is not the way to go about it. The way to go about it is to actually work your way up to it, 
sacrifice for some time to get to something uh, that is going to be beneficial over time. Maybe your dream is to buy the nice house, build the nice house, maybe even buy the land and build the nice house on the land. If you don't have your financial life in order and you don't have the money to do this yet, then you can't do it yet. Don't go deeply in debt for something that you are not financially prepared to do. Okay. Now I'm not saying that some of you couldn't go do these things uh, and still make it out on the other side and not have to file bankruptcy and still have a higher credit score and whatever and maybe have a little money in the bank even. I'm not saying that you can't do that. I'm just saying every time you take on new debt and especially debts that are not mortgage-related and even mortgage-related debt that is too much uh, over too long a period of time, right? anytime you are doing this, you are slowing yourselves down. You are slowing down your ability to build wealth over the long term. You're slowing down the amount of money that you're going to be able to put away. You are slowing down your family's ability to build generational wealth. And that's not what we want. We want to speed up our ability to do all of those things. And all that takes is some sacrifice. All that takes uh, is putting away some of your dreams in the short term, right? Still have long-term dreams, okay? But don't try to bring all your long-term dreams into today. Try to take some of your dreams that you know you're going to have in the long term, get to them as quickly as possible, but take the appropriate steps to get there as timely as possible, okay? Don't just skip all of the appropriate steps and go deeply into debt to get there, all right? it is going to be beneficial to you over a long period of time to not have debt. And I don't care if it's 0% debt because guess what? Uh, that 0% debt has uh, the interest rate just baked right into the price. Don't take out 0% debt. Don't take out as much low interest debt as you can and then invest uh, the rest and say, oh, well, you know, I'm making a spread on this debt. You didn't take risk into account because your cash flow is still strained. Any money that you're investing, uh, you're not using that for your household. And the money that you're taking out of your household income is being used to pay on that debt, okay? I just want what's best for you guys financially. I want you guys to build something financially that is going to be worth it, that is going to be uh, enough to meet your dreams and what your long-term financial goals are and what your goals are for you and your family. And I want you to be able to pay for your kid's college. I want you to be able to retire and move to wherever you want to move to and pay for whatever you want to pay for in cash. I want you to be able to do that. I want you to drive whatever car that you want to drive, but I don't want you to go and just try to do it now because you think that, oh, now's the time. YOLO. I, you know, if you only live once. If, if I don't do it now, then maybe I'll never get to do it. I don't want that to be your mindset. I want your mindset to be uh, that on average, we're going to live to be 70 plus years old, okay, into our late 70s, uh, and that may even increase more over time. Now, I'm not saying to wait until then to do anything. I'm just saying pick a reasonable time in the future, reasonable goals, and go towards those reasonable goals. For most people, you can be out of debt and have an emergency fund within a three-year period, okay? Three years is not that long. If you're in your 20s, three years is nothing. Use three years to build your financial foundation. All right, Then you can start saving money for whatever it is you want to save money for and get there as quickly as you want to get there. And you can work as much as you need to work to make the money to get there. And you can sacrifice and live below your means as much as you need to. The problem is that people don't want to hear this. The problem is that you may even not want to hear this. You may even not want to hear uh, that living below your means is what is going to get you there. Is spending less than you make is what is actually going to get you to where you want to be. 
Okay, people don't want to hear that uh, all of the income that they bring in uh, shouldn't all be spent. They don't want to hear that they should set aside money that they can't touch or shouldn't touch unless it's an emergency. They don't want to hear that investing 15 plus percent of their income for their future and not touching it for decades is what is going to make you rich, is what's going to make you a millionaire on average. They don't want to hear that. What they want to hear is that I want to get there quick. Right. That's why we're in the world of meme stocks and Bitcoin uh, and all these things that people are trying to do to get to, uh, you know, being rich as quickly as possible. These get rich quick things that people are trying to jump into. Okay, not saying that all of them are bad. I'm just saying the way that they are being used by a lot of individuals is to get rich quick. And that's not what I want you to do. I want you to take the slow and steady approach, do the things that are financially responsible and build a foundation for yourself and then build on top of that foundation over time. It will be worth it. It is worth it, but we have to take advantage of the opportunities that we have. We need to take hold and take responsibility for the things that we've done wrong, like going deeper and deeper and deeper into household debt and like not saving as much money and just being scared by a pandemic and you know we'll save money then. But then when things seem to get back to normal, uh, we'll just start spending like crazy and going back into debt again. Those aren't the things that we need to be doing, okay? Uh, so I'm just here to motivate you. I'm here to encourage you. Uh, that you can build the financial life that you've always wanted to live, but being in debt is not the way to do it. And you can live the financial life that you've always wanted to live, but it may not happen overnight. And it may not happen. In fact, I'm going to tell you, it's not going to happen overnight. And it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen over years and years and years of sacrifice, years and years and years of work and dedication to a good financial plan. And if you can do that, right? And if you can be financially disciplined, and you can be smart and you can be responsible, then you can build your financial life in the way that you've always wanted to and live up to your financial dreams. And you can do it as quickly as you want to do it. It just depends on how much sacrifice you're willing to put in on the front end. You'll either sacrifice a little bit now to get to a lot later, or you'll try to take on a lot now and you'll sacrifice way, way, way more later on. And that's not what I want for you. So uh, hopefully this video helps you and motivates you a little bit to do the things financially that you need to do to move forward. And hopefully it gives you a better picture uh, of where we are when it comes to our household debt and exactly how big of an issue it is in our lives, right? Nearly $15 trillion in the United States today. Uh, that's not chump change to anyone anywhere. Uh, so just uh, take this to heart. Take my words to heart. Hopefully put them into some action. Follow something like the financial action plan to help you get started. Uh, and hopefully you can start moving in the right direction in your financial life, or you can continue to do so over a long period of time. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites Tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions and you and I can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single person who watches or listens to the show on a day-to-day -day basis. So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.